Stu. Thursday afternoon on the muster. Tuesday's been and gone. Stu Evans out of Derry and Z joins us. Stu, good afternoon. Back in the day, were you in lasers doing the locomotion? Yeah, I used to see you cutting shapes there when you were there, Andy, so I used to follow your lead, Billy. Didn't really go to lasers, to be fair. The frog was good, RIP. Exactly, you did right there. Uh, Derry and Z back on task. How's things been? This wind is just relentless, isn't it? Yeah, I just looked at the window earlier this afternoon or this morning and um, it was it was getting up here again now, so it's probably a few days in a row now, but although there's no no rain at the moment with it, so it's probably not bad in that respect. We're talking summer turnips today and the importance of El Nino going through. Phil Duncan before just saying it's going to be an unpredictable summer. Just looking at having options available for fee because, yeah, it could be a box of chocolate summer, really, couldn't it? Yeah, without a doubt. And if we're looking to, if to having to go to the market and buy feed in that summer period because it is dry, um, the cheapest form of feed is what you can go on the property. And some chance certainly tick that box. You know, you've got 55 days till, till grazing uh, from sowing. So you've got options there still that you can get. And if you're looking for, say, 20th of, of January grazing, you could be um, end of November still sowing and, and still get a result from that too. So you've got plenty of time to still make those decisions. Generally, yield's been pretty good for summer turnips? Yeah, there's a couple of new varieties out there that are, that are showing really good results and also come in that clean crop option too, from what I've heard. So, um, you know, some good good results and some good good cheap dry matters we gained there and a really good insurance policy too. And that's what it's about, isn't it? Because you look at the season, you're planning what's ahead and all of a sudden you might have a last-minute change of mind and think, well, maybe leafy turnips might be the one to fill the voids. So you're always thinking the hamster is always turning over in the head on that wheel, isn't it? Yeah, and if I go back to the South Island area event that we had back in the winter, we also had a presentation of facilitated for Agricom that was on um, using kale as some option as well. And, and if you didn't need it during that summer period, then you could carry it through to the winter and use it for winter feed. So that's certainly a very good option as well. Webinars, it's a buzzword for a lot of people this, these days, but it's highly pertinent. Um, you guys are no different. Yeah, we've had a few inquiries just of recent times regarding wintering and looking at changing options of what, what systems people could be doing. And, and we thought it was pretty important that we try and get some messages out there to some of these people before they um, make those decisions and, and just make an idiot reaction type thing. Um, so we decided to, to get together and, and run a webinar based on the short turnaround period that we had and something that could go back and, and be reviewed and, and checked and looked at again and, in case they missed points or whatever. So... We were lucky enough, um, we had Dr Dawn Daly down from Derry and Z and she, she spoke to us on the regards of um, what was been happening at the hub and all the different trial work they've been doing out there and more importantly the, the costings that they've had on the different systems that they've been trialling. So um, some really good interesting, interesting information coming out of there at the moment. Um, lucky enough too we had Brian Young from PGG Rights and Seeds Agronomist. He, he jumped on board and, and ran through the uh, establishment of successful winter crops um, and probably the key word that came out of there was that there is no shortcuts and um, the importance of, of monitoring those crops to ensure that you get the best possible yield. And, and just reiterated to the, um, how good that relationship with your TFO or your agronomist is and how important that is to, to make sure that you, your weeds don't affect your, your yields and, and had some really good uh, cool pictures and graphs to show that uh, the effect that weeds can have on those yields. So, yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, and followed that off with... Um, we we got uh, two farmers who are very well known, Paul Turner and Mark Walker, um, two completely different systems, but they were good enough to, to overview of their system, tips and tricks that they learned over the years, uh, the pitfalls that they have, and 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 how how this uh, business is so successful and how, how it works so well. So um, great for those guys to take time out of their days to, to come on board and talk to us about that. So 
um, there's something for everybody on there, and, and yeah, I think it's really important that if guys are looking to either make some changes or tweaks to their system, that they actually do sit down and watch that webinar and um, and learn from that. And I certainly learned a lot from the new AC. It was really good. I had Andrea Dixon on the show from Southern Dairy Hub yesterday, Stu. Really interesting, really interesting thought process around um, grass wintering, but with hay. Yeah, and I think if you watch the webinar, you'll see what Paul Turner's doing up there is, is um, based on whole crop and bale. It's a um, really good system, works really well for him, and, and some really good stuff coming out there too. So, you know, some good systems coming through. And a good news story as well, Dairy NZ, the National Wintering Survey, has been carried out over winter, and this is sharing the results that all farmers know, let's be honest, is that the work that's been achieved on farm. So a round of applause for everybody. Oh, without a doubt, and I was personally involved in doing the survey work too, so I, so I know I understand how it but we're always asking farmers to do surveys, and quite often you never hear the results of them. So it's really, I wanted to really make sure the point gets across today. Out of the 74 farms that we surveyed in Southland last year, um, 84% of those farms surveyed had a, winter, a written grazing plan, uh, 100% had stock excluding from waterways and also had grass buffers between their waterways and their crops, um, and 82% are aware of or know of all critical source areas on their farms. Now, when you compare that to the nationwide side of things, um, we're streaks ahead of where they are at at the moment. So you're talking 54% compared to 82%, uh, 78 compared to 84 So we, we are we are streaks ahead on a lot of those areas. And it's a big hats off to the, um, the hard work that our dairy farmers have done down here in the last while to get themselves to that level and, and, and be as positive as what we are with the systems that we run for them, the work that they've, that they've achieved and what they've done. Good on you, Stu. Once again, everything's available on the Dairy NZ Facebook page as well as regarding webinars and stuff that are happening. Yeah, the webinar's on the um, South and South Otago Dairy NZ uh, Facebook page, so um, it's on there now. I think there's a before them into 70-odd views so far already, and it's only been there for a short time, so we're looking forward to seeing those numbers jump up and um, really hope that people do get something out of it and answer a few of those questions that they may, be, may have in the back of their mind that they've been thinking about for a while, so yeah. Always good to chat, Stu. Appreciate your time. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Stu Evans out of Dairy NZ. On a quite a Minogue Thursday afternoon. Up next, Kiwi Buckingham. Normally, oh, she's Dairy and Z aligned as well, but today she is also part of the Southern Farmer Council for Beef and Lamb. Catch up with Kiwi.